Hey friends, and welcome back to The Sandwich, hosted by me, Amanda Muse. Well, I am sitting here very early in the morning. What time is it actually? Okay, I say it's very early. It's 7 a.m., but I've been up since like 10 to 6. It's December 23rd. I'm not thrilled about how early I'm awake, I'm not going to lie, because I accidentally set an alarm on my Fitbit and woke up, so that was something. But I was sitting here, drinking my coffee, scrolling through Instagram, you know, taking note of people's end of year messages. And of course, you know, everyone's holiday messaging and photos and Instagram stories and YouTube videos. And it's a really, it can be a really special time of year. And I find perhaps because there were moments in my life that were harder than others at this time of year, that I'm always very mindful of the fact that it is a privilege to feel so happy and blessed and, you know, all those warm and fuzzy feelings. It's a privilege to feel those things and that not everybody does, right? Even myself, I'm not going to lie. I'm not feeling very, very festive at the moment and I'm not exactly sure why. And I also find this time of year to be very, much a time of self-reflection and, you know, anticipation of what's coming in the new year. And there's goal setting, there's all of these things I personally tend to think about at this time of year. And I think that many of us do. And so I thought in today's episode to wrap up the year that I would take some time to talk about the holidays, take some time to talk about the year in review kind of thing, you know, some plans I may have for the new year and you know, just take a moment together to do that because it's, it can be really wild. It can be a really wild time of year. Lots of expectation, lots of money outpouring, energy outpouring. How do we protect our energy in these situations? You know, these are kind of thoughts swirling in my mind right now. So let's just take a minute and do that. Let's hang out and uh, let's, let's get into this episode. Yes, Christmas time, Christmas time. So I was sitting with my daughter in the car and I thought I would share a little story with you. Not exactly pertaining to Christmas, but just life in general. So I'm sitting with Esme, who is eight now, wild, uh, such a fun age, seriously. There's a lot of there's a lot of strife in eight if you have as strong-willed of a child as I do. I'm proud of that little human. It's a lot of hard times, but also a lot of fun times. We had a clue battle yesterday, like the board game Clue. That kid is strategic. (laughs) She kicked my ass. Like she won three out of the however many games we played. And we decided that the last uh, the last session was going to be like um, the championship and she won. (laughs) So it was really fun. And like no cheating, like full on strategy on her end. It was awesome. Okay, let's get back to the story. So here's the story. Sitting in the car with my kids, driving along. Oh no, just Esme, because we had to go and do something with the vet and this and that. Okay, fine. So Esme and I are going to pick up a last minute gift idea for her brother. And we hit up the mall very briefly, which was chaos. Actually, I'm heading there today. Wish me luck. Anyway, and I said to her, you know, Esme, it's interesting. Like, I, I kind of had this fleeting moment of like all of the places I've lived and all of the experiences I've had 
during Christmas time. And she was like, you know, interested and kind of like a tell me more situation. And I said, you know, I feel like I'm on chapter five of my life. Sometimes mummy feels like a cat, like I've got nine lives. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? And I said, okay, well, let's break it down. Chapter one, mummy, me, living at home. I lived at home. I had a brother two years younger than me, just like Esme and Jack, same age difference. You know, in the, t- in the period of birth to 19 years old, you know, I had my parents divorce when I was seven. My mom then remarried by the time I think I was like nine. And then my sister was born when I was 10. So she's my half sister, but there's no halves about it, you know? So my sister was born, I was 10. So by the time I was 10, I had a little brother and a little sister and Christmases were very fun and busy. And up until I was like 18 or 19 or however age I was, I can't remember the last Christmas we did this kind of breaks my heart and then I, that I can't remember this, but basically we would go. So my brother and I uh, would go to my dad's, which was my grandparents. So my dad has lived in Toronto, like most of my life. I can't remember exactly what age he moved 12 or so. Anyway, so he's lived in Toronto for most of my life. So during the holidays and pretty much every time, uh, save for a few weeks in the summer, he would come to, to back to Montreal and we lived just in the suburbs of Montreal. He would stay with my grandparents, his parents, and we would spend um, Christmas Eve, like all day, beautiful dinner. And the whole day, my brother and I knew that after dinner, we were going to be able to open presents. And it was like, I can't even describe, although you likely have a similar feeling in your heart from Christmas has gone by, but there is this feeling. Oh, I get emotional thinking about it. I always find the holidays very difficult, and I, I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I get emotional. My dog's like, Are you okay, Mama? <laughs> and he's like, Let me sit with you. It's this feeling, right? Of like all of the people that you love in one place (laughs) and the excitement, the lack of responsibility. (laughs) I didn't have to cook anything, you know, like this magical feeling that you can't put in a bottle and you can't buy in a store. And, oh, I just, you know, the glow of the lights and it was so special. So at my grandparents' house, so my dad's parents, they always had the white twinkle lights where at home we always had the red and the colors. So it was very special. Like I have these different but equally meaningful memories, right? Um, And then on my other grandparents, they had, you know, like those big, I feel like they're mimicking them now, but like the ancient, uh, like probably from the 70s, outdoor lights that were just like huge and colorful and the glow from those lights, you you can't recreate that glow. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like nothing more magical. And those grandparents, so this would be my mom's parents, excuse me, my dog is like attacking me. Honey, that's enough. Sit down. Jesus. Um, My mom's parents had the super tall cedar hedges and they would have the glow, you know, the magical glow from those hedges. And it was just like the most magical feeling, the Christmas lights, you know, the pitter patter of little feet. One of my humans woke up. They must have heard me stirring. And I sit here giggling like I'm already crying. I always cry at Christmas. God, it kills me. I 
feel so much nostalgia and it breaks my heart and I I really need to work on that. That's something I need to work on because nostalgia is so painful to me. It's the most painful feeling I think that exists for me. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, you know what it is? It's feeling like you wish you could just go back for a minute. Just go back for a minute. Oh, I'm going to cry again. What am I, am I PMSing? (laughs) Jesus. To see those people, grandparents, my grandparents on either side, my mom's parents and my dad's parents were so very special to me. And I often wish that I could just for a minute see them again, you know? Okay, Amanda, hold it together. Hold it together. Um, so it's very hard for me to think about those things. So already crying three seconds in. It's going to be a ride, guys. It's going to be a ride. So back to the car story. So I'm explaining, you know, okay, so I, I did that for a very long time where we would do Christmas Eve with dad and then go back home to mom's house late on Christmas Eve. Now, little did I know that that whole time we were away, likely up until my sister got to an age that she was old enough to recognize what was going on, like not a baby. You know, my mom and my stepdad were wrapping presents and getting everything ready for Santa's visit, right? So then we would go to bed or we would like, we would pay attention to that whole like Santa, where Santa, like on the radio, right? As a kid or like, as we got older, you could see it on the internet, on the television, it was like clocking Santa's whereabouts and you could listen to the radio and hear him like ho, ho, hoing and all those things. So magical. So then we would go to bed and wake up and it was like the tree had exploded and Santa had arrived. And honestly, I didn't even know how my parents did that. My mom and my stepdad, because... They did not make a lot of money back then. And yeah, we were never without stocking stuff to the brim, tree exploding out the bottom. I mean, it was magical. So very special, right? Um, And then I think on Christmas Day, we would often go to my grandpa and my grandpa's house. My grandmother on my maternal grandmother passed away when I was like 11 or so, I think. So um, it was just him. And then most of my mom's family lives in Ontario. We were in Quebec at the time. So like some would come out and it was always like this fun. And then it was very different. Right. So at my, at my mom's grandparent, at grandpa, what at my mom's dad's house. So my grandpa, it would be like the roast beef and the gravy and the Yorkshire puddings and the too much drambuie. And they could all sing like my grandfather, my mom, her siblings, they all have these beautiful voices. I think anyway, it's five of them or four of them, four of them. And they can all sing and it was like Christmas songs going and it felt very like, you know, the baubles on the tree. I mean, you wish you could buy them now that vintage looking, you know, I don't, I can't even describe it. It's just like, it's, it's imprinted in my brain as just pure magic and so fun. My brother and I running around, I'd have stocking feet because I'd always be wearing some sort of Christmas dress and the piano would be out and people would be playing and it was just such a wonderful time. And I suppose at Christmas, as I often think back, it's like I'm always searching for that feeling. How can I get that feeling back? But I just don't think you can. I just think that that is the feeling of childhood magical Christmas. And it's like you can't you can't recreate that as an adult, because as we get older, our responsibilities change and family dynamics change. And so that was chapter one. Right. And then Chapter two, I moved to Toronto and 
I remember setting up my own little Christmas tree. So even with the little money that I had, I bought a little Christmas tree and I put up lights around my basement apartment window and I had the lights on the tree. And I remember um, I had started dating Dean by the time my first Christmas came around. And we were sitting by the tree, just him and I, and it was just so magical. Like the the room just was glowing from this tree. And it was, it was a really special first memory. And my grandmother, so my dad's parents had given, had gifted me a box of ornaments. And so I had these beautiful ornaments on the tree and it was very special. And side note, that box of ornaments disappeared when I moved to Vancouver and it like broke my damn heart because again, I'm very sentimental about things from my grandparents. And thankfully I really harassed my aunt like it was two years ago or something. And I was like, this is my dad's sister. I'm like, please, can I have some of those ornaments? Like they weren't the same ornaments, but she gifted me a few ornaments from that same period. They're like these papier mache almost looking paper art or I can't describe it. I'll post a picture I'm sure on Instagram and you'll see it, but from the seventies and I just love them. And her handwriting, like my grandmother's handwriting is on the bottom of them. Cause she always wrote the dates on things when she purchased items. I'm segueing, bear with me. The holidays do this to me. Um, And so she gifted me these ornaments back. Okay, so side story. So chapter two is like, you know, by myself in Toronto having this Christmas, very different working up until the very last minute. I worked like two jobs. I was um, working in a tanning salon and then I was working at the LCBO, which is a liquor. I got the hiccups. Sorry. Working at the liquor store up until that crazy Christmas rush. Um, And then I was so nostalgic. I think that I needed to go home for Christmas. And so I booked myself a flight and I remember standing, oh my God, I forgot about this story. Standing in an airport on Christmas Eve, trying to get from Toronto to Montreal. It was like impossible. Flights were delayed. It was pure chaos. I remember like crying in the airport because I'm by myself. My flight was so delayed that I ended up calling Dean, who was hammered because he was at a party, <laughs> like a holiday party. And I was like, Dean, I'm stuck in the airport. And I, I can't get home and blah, blah, blah. And my flight's delayed. He then took a taxi to the airport. We got a hotel close by, stayed in a hotel for a couple hours and then, you know, woke up to get me on the flight. I got back to Montreal. They lost my luggage. It was like a shit show, but it was this like, rush and this pressure like I feel like I was in a goddamn ho- like ho- like holiday movie trying to get home so there was that and then the following year what did I do I can't quite remember oh okay so then I moved to Vancouver so then we're moving on to chapter three Vancouver life chapter one home chapter two Toronto chapter three Vancouver life so living in Vancouver and there was not as much money at that time, because I had first started working in an office, I hadn't quite moved up the ranks yet. Like I didn't have the funding to get home for Christmas. So I missed my first Christmas home. I must have been like 21, 22. I can't remember quite exactly the age, but oh my, did I cry. I cried and I cried and I had FOMO like you don't even know. And I remember Dean was just like, are you going to be okay? And I wasn't like, it was so hard to be away from that. And, you know, my grandfather, so the last 
you know, grandparent on my mom's side had passed. And then my grandparents on my dad's side were still around, but they, you know, they were celebrating Christmas with everybody there. So I couldn't make it home. It was a very defining, sad experience. And it was just like, wow, adulting, you know, like having to make appropriate decisions and not go into ridiculous debt to visit family, you know, and that was a very difficult decision for me. Thankfully, the next year, there was some money. <laughs> I think it was the next year. Anyway, one of the following years, I might have missed two Christmases. It's, we're going back here a few years. And um, I remember one Christmas, I finally was like, we're going back. And Dean was like, no, I don't really want to go. Because um, his family's not in Ontario. Uh, his are all out west. And I thought, no, we have to go. So we did. And that ended up being a pretty defining moment in our lives. We stayed, um, my grandparents lived in Guelph. And so we stayed at a hotel in Guelph and then we cooked a huge turkey dinner for my grandparents and my dad. And it was really awesome. And it was so fun to have that experience as an adult with my grandparents because I had never had that. I'd always been the teenager or the kid, like not helping in the kitchen. But I'd found as the years went on and I would come back and visit, I would start preparing things like casseroles or whatever, you know, and so it was so nice to have Dean and create this beautiful Christmas dinner and to create that memory. It was so fun. And P.S., if you've been listening a long time, that's the same Christmas that I learned of the story of how my grandparents actually got married. P.S. They eloped uh, from New Brunswick and they got married in the States. And it's kind of this random story. They had like very few people at their wedding. And it was so inspiring that Dean and I went home, got engaged and were married four months later. So the power of storytelling. Um, so there was that Christmas, Vancouver. We started our own traditions. So that was like a very much, oh, okay, this is how you do the adult life. So we started, you know, I would bake sugar cookies and we would put up a tree and we did all of those things as a grown-up couple, you know? Um, chapter three, right? Chapter four, Malaysia. I didn't come home very much when I moved to Malaysia. I came back twice and none of those times were at Christmas. I don't think. No, they weren't. Um, the first time I came back was just to visit. And then the second time was because my grandpa had passed away. So he had passed away before Christmas. So we were there in the wintry cold months, but it definitely wasn't Christmas. So, you know, starting new traditions in a new place. Again, it comes back to like, what does this holiday mean to you? What is it that you're hoping to feel and to, you know, what's the magic you're trying to create? And for me, it was always gatherings of people, of course, the food. Gifts are lovely, but to me, it's not like the highlight ask a seven-year-old, it's going to be the highlight. But for me, it's everything else, you know? So we still put up a tree. I got all the cute little decorations. And literally, this was hard to find. I'm in a, I'm in Malaysia. Like it's not, not everybody celebrates Christmas there. Very few people do. They love the holiday and the shopping, but not everybody is doing the tree thing. So to find a tree, to find the lights, to find the little baubles to put on the tree. I mean, it was hard, but I did it. And I was so excited. And I played the Christmas music and I put the air conditioning up really high. So it was kind of cold. And I invited, um, you know, I, we always had people for Christmas dinner, whoever was in town. You know, one year we had uh, my friends who were um, like from Denmark, I believe. Yeah, they were there from 
Holland? Is that where they were from? Anyway, so they were students on an exchange. They came and celebrated Christmas. Another time, we ended up having random friends from Nova Scotia. I believe it was at Christmas that they were there. Then another time, I mean, Esme was like two weeks old. We hosted a lovely dinner with friends from the UK um, and then friends from Sweden and then a local friend. And so we always like did this kind of elaborate Christmas thing because it was very special to us. And I think that's what it is. It's creating these traditions um, where you stop and you gather people together and you're present with them and you feed them. And sometimes there's gifts and it was just a very special time. So there was chapter four and then the final where we're at right now, which is not the final, but it's the present is chapter five where we're back in Canada, two kids, live in the house with the two dogs, live in the dream basically, right guys? Um, in our own space. And it's this very interesting time where this chapter is a chapter I always thought about growing up. Like, what would it be like when I'm a grown up and my brother and my sister are grown up and we start celebrating Christmas and we become the houses that people go to, right? So um, my dad, naturally, bachelor, living in Toronto. His home is actually, you may or not know this, but like he has rental, he has like a rental property. So he has units he rents out and then he lives in a unit. So he doesn't have the space for us to do this big Christmas gathering. You know, my brother's got three kids. I've got two kids. That's a lot of little kids. And then you add in the grownups. I mean, there's not enough space. And so this year I decided to host Christmas. And so we've been doing something new with my dad's side of the family, which is hosting it before Christmas, because it just gets a little too crazy. And my brother lives in the Ottawa area. So to get him to come out and make that work, it's been tricky in the past. So this is the second year where we've hosted in the, you know, Toronto area. And it was wonderful. I prepared a big meal. Dean was only home for half of it, which kind of was crappy. Our home is large enough that I could house everybody. So we had my brother's whole family crashed here. My sister came out. Her partner couldn't make it this time. Um, my aunt and her two kids stayed over. My dad stayed over. I mean, it was a rockin' full house. It was awesome. There was a couple of sick kids. That was hard. But all of that aside, it was incredible to have everybody in one space. And it's a new tradition, right? It's like, this magic of getting the cousins together and creating those memories like I have when I was a kid. And it's one of these things where like, I don't have that same feeling, like the one that brought the tears from when I was a little girl and everything was, you know, is Santa real? The magic of it, the suspense of like, what's, what's in those boxes, you know, like, what did I get as a gift and all of that? It's not the same. But what I'm realizing is it's creating the space for your children to have those experiences or people that you care about in your life to have those experiences. And what a gift, right, to give people. Um, and it was a ton of work to have everybody in my house. I'm not going to lie. I was so tired <laughs> when everybody left because... You know, it's not just like you're hosting people for a dinner. It's the breakfast, it's the lunches, it's the coffee making. It's it's so much. So that was, it's a lot, but I only ever do this like once or twice a year hosting everybody. So worth it. Um, but what a special thing to provide, right? Memories, 
memories for the little ones in your life and, and a chance to get together with people. Um, because here's the weird thing about families. Like, I'm not sure. And I, I know many of my family members listen to my content and like, don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> but like, we're all very different people. You know, like if you threw us into a situation where we were strangers, like I'm not even sure I would encounter half of them because we don't do the same things. We don't have lifestyles that are similar. Um, So here we are, very different people bound by DNA. um, And we make the choice to connect and to listen and to accept mostly (laughs) to accept each other um, and celebrate one another, right? Like this whole family situation. Now, the flip side of all of that is, I think like many family dynamics, there are strained relationships that make celebrating the holidays awkward. You know, my parents are divorced. So that's a giant pain in the ass. (laughs) I mean, no, it's best that they're divorced. The giant discomfort is that it's so hard to see everybody at Christmas because they don't want to be in the same room at the same time. I respect that. However, that means I have to have like multiple Christmases. And so it's, it's hard, multiple Christmases or not seeing them, which is often how we do it. So I don't see my mom and my stepdad every year. Um, naturally it was many years when I was away and then when we moved back to Canada and the kids were super small my mom uh, would come out she came out once or twice and then we have been to Ottawa so we've been back for this is our fifth Christmas so she came out twice we went to Ottawa once we've missed her once and then we're going to miss her again so it's not every year but what I try to do is balance it out by seeing them at Thanksgiving so Canadian Thanksgiving is like mid-October So I went to Ottawa mid-October. We had the chance to all be together, which was lovely. So it lessens the blow, right, for missing out on Christmas. Um, Get this. I realized that it's been three years that we have seen my in-laws. That is a giant number. That is way too long. And I'm embarrassed that it's happened. But to give myself a little slack, um, I saw them six months ago because I went out to Calgary and took my mother-in-law to go see Oprah, which was amazing. And actually, this time last year, my mother-in-law had a quadruple bypass. So we likely would have seen her last year, but naturally, she had some healing to do and big surgery. So it's been a longer break than we would have liked. And um, what's kind of nice about what I do on YouTube is Esme and I like to look back at some of the Christmas vlogs from lives, you know, years past. And we caught the one where they were in town. And it was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's been like Esme had just turned five. They had come out just before Christmas, like early December for Esme's birthday. And it's three years ago. So this is especially epic that they're here. And it's a reminder to me that we need to make more of an effort to go out west to see Dean's family. Um, It's just hard. It is hard. It is hard to travel. It is expensive. And when you have a partner who is a pilot, they don't get regular time off. So it's very difficult to go anywhere. I digress. This Christmas, chapter five, has been very special thus far, having my siblings come out. They were all here like the December 14th weekend. 
So it's been a little break, which is nice. And then my in-laws arrive tomorrow on December 24th. And Dean is home. Dean is home for Christmas, which is so special. He has been not always home. Last year, he had to leave Christmas Day. A year before, he was in Ottawa. So we drove out to Ottawa. That was a giant shit show. It was like the biggest snowstorm ever on Christmas Eve or the the 23rd, whenever we ended up going out there. And uh, yeah, we drove for 10 and a half hours. I brought all the presents. It was it was something. <laughs> brought a tree, like a tiny tree. It was like probably one of the more stressful experiences of my life, but we did it and we made it magic for those kids because uh, that's what you do, man. So this Christmas is just like, it almost feels too chill. First of all, Dean, I don't know if he was like sent from heaven. He did like all the Christmas shopping. So thank God for Amazon Prime. He purchased all the things for the kids. I just bought like two or three items. He got the rest. We went out, did all the stocking stuffers. And then the Friday, the last day of school, we wrapped all the presents. So like, we're done. He got his gifts for his parents. You know, um, he like just did everything. He's prepping the meals. Like that man, I mean, he ain't perfect, but he ain't far off either. (laughs) So it's interesting, hey, when you go back and you reflect on Christmases gone by. And I would love for you to share your stories with me. If you want to hit me up on Instagram at Amanda Muse, DM me, um, share it in a post, tag me. And I would love to share the stories. I should come up with a hashtag, but I never think that far in advance. Sorry. So yeah, it's interesting to think, you know, nothing really is going to stay the same. And change is hard. But you would think too, like all the special moments you have as lives as as your days go on, you know, you're you start out with your pre decided family. And then as you get older, you have this chosen family of the people you choose to be around. Like even just last night, the kids were playing over at the neighbor's house, they have this amazing outdoor skating rink that they put together. Um, the dad kind of creates this awesome skating rink. The boys are really into hockey. My kids are just getting excited about skating because they haven't really been. Um, and so they've been skating and having fun. And I, I spent the whole day cleaning the house in preparation for my in-laws coming. And I thought, I just, I don't want to sit here. I'm so bored. Grabbed a bottle of wine, went over there and we just had fun and we're chatting outside by this fire, sipping wine. And to me, that is what is special. Those are those special moments we were invited to our other neighbor's house for a holiday party and I had such a nice time. It was so nice to gather with people to just celebrate the special time of year and acknowledge your neighbor and be kind and cheers a glass of wine. And um, I also did something different this year where I hosted a dinner for my friends that are in the industry that are relatively local to me. Harder to do than you'd think (laughs) because as creators, you're spread out. Um, And it's a tricky time of year. So I think next year, I would like to do it again, but I'm going to host it sooner. So not on December 19th. Um, But plan that a little bit more in advance and have a nice gathering because it was one of these things it's hard to do in your own home. But I could as the kids get older, that'll get easier. But I always find it tricky when they're, you know, do they go to bed? Do they stay awake? I don't know. It gets weird. So anyway, but I hosted my friends and it was so nice again to celebrate people and just get together. I even had a tarot card reader. It was awesome. Um, 
and start thinking about, you know, what's the new year going to bring? On the note of new year, yeah, can be tricky sitting down, getting your goals all organized. I'm kind of really shitty at that. <laughs> I'm really, I have a hard time putting pen to paper and coming up with a plan. Um, however, that said, I'm going to do it this year. I'm not necessarily going to come up with like 10 goals and it's going to be really hard to keep them, that kind of thing. But what I would like to do is be very intentional with my time and how I want to set up my business. Um, I think sometimes I can just be a little bit go with the flow, which is great. Hardworking, you know, try something new. Last year we launched, was it last year or the year before we launched the podcast? No, year before. Um, And you know, it's like, what's next? What's coming next? So I'd like to be very intentional with that. To be honest, in my reading, the tarot card reading, that was like the first card. It was like, you need to sit down and put pen to paper about what you want to see happen so that you can make it happen. And also, it's nice to have a little benchmark about these are the goals I'm putting forward. And let's see if you actually can accomplish any of this, you know? Um, This year, one of my biggest goals is to do my taxes before April. (laughs) I am like the worst. I wait so long. And then by the time I actually sit down to start doing my taxes, I am so freaking busy with just content creation and sponsored content that it's like, it's a nightmare. So I told my accountant, we're doing this like January 3rd. So I'm getting on that right away. And I need to find some sort of motivation to be better at my physical fitness because I'm noticing it's really impacting my mental health. I'm really struggling. Um, Yeah, I just had a bit of a hiccup here in the fall, a life hiccup, and it's been harder for me to bounce back from it than I expected. So as that happens, right? In life, things happen unexpectedly, and it's sometimes more challenging to, to cope with than we think. So working on a few things over here. And I think aside from getting very specific about the goals I'm setting, one of the things I'm really being considerate of is how my workflow is affecting me physically and emotionally. So I'm going to be very mindful of how my body is reacting to people, places, responsibilities, that kind of stuff, because I have a tendency to go, 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 go until my body like shuts it, shuts down. And that's shitty. So I was being better about it this past year. And I'd like to be even better and even more intentional and be more aware of myself in 2020, because I think it sets a really great example to your children about what you're willing to accept and the energy you're willing to take on and how you protect yourself. And also how if you're mindful of your reaction to things like, and if you're thinking, what are you talking about, Amanda? So if you're around a person, for example, and they make you feel bad, you start to get the cold sweats, you feel stressed out, you when they leave your presence, you feel drained, that kind of acknowledgement. Unfortunately, some of those people that we encounter that make us feel this way are in our lives, whether it's a work setting, you know, family setting, and we have to be near them every now and then. So it's like, okay. If I'm going to be around these types of people or these types of events and occurrences that cause me to feel this way, what can I do to be protective of my energy? 
And I stumbled upon an article that talk, um, that spoke about this thing called guerrilla meditation. I'd never heard of that before. And so I'm curious about it. Uh, but the example that they provided is like, if you're at an event and you're feeling super overwhelmed and your energy is just like depleting by the minute, um, you can head into a bathroom and like take some deep breaths and just ground yourself. Um, I think of moments I've done that in the past and it's like, restart. You know, you can do visualizations where it's like you protect yourself with, um, you know, a nice light. Uh, I don't know what color exactly, but you know, because I had this is all new to me, but you protect yourself in like a nice soft white light and that bad energy is going to bounce off of you. And sometimes it's just those visual techniques and it sounds super wooey, but this crap works. So like, don't knock it till you try it. And I always figure if it's going to help you try it does no harm. Give it a go. Um, And so that's something I want to be very intentional about in the new year is like, I'm always walking the talk. I had to think about how to phrase that. I was like, am I saying this right? But you know, I talk the talk about mental health, about taking care of yourself. I do... I do the things that I say, but I would like to be better about it. And especially when it comes to content and my workflow or my workload. It's a bit much for me. And I'm putting it out into the universe that I'm looking for. I have a job opening and I need someone to fill certain needs. And I'm going to be writing out this job description. Um, So if you're like in the GTA, maybe this might work out, but it's like a producer style of person. So I'm looking for someone to work with me and help me stay on top of things, but also just take a little bit of the workload off of me so I can get back to the things I really enjoy. Because sometimes I find in this space, for me specifically, it gets to be a lot and I have a hard time unplugging. And when I don't unplug, I get so depleted that my creativity goes down to like a bare minimum and I can hardly get myself together to put out podcast episodes or get guests on the podcast or, you know, create videos because I'm just like, I would just like to sit down <laughs> and I lose momentum. And so I'd like to, again, be intentional with my work creation so that I don't lose momentum and that I hopefully at the end of next year, When I know, again, I may feel a little low because seasonal depression and the holidays always get me in the feels. I always feel a little bit like, oof, like I I stumble a bit, Um, that I can look back and be proud. I'm proud now, but you know, proud that I was able to set the intention for the year, list out some goals and nail them, you know, hit them out of the park. So those are just some of my thoughts as I reflect on the last year and anticipate the year coming. And I would love to just hear what you're up to and and also wish you all the best at this time of year, whether you have, you know, the most fantastical family where things always go well, or you have an amazing chosen family, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people if you find this year tricky, this time of year tricky. I mean, I have good friends who recognize that I sometimes have a hard time after Christmas, after the magic of everything. And, you know, it said to me, hey, don't forget, sometimes it's tricky. And let's get together after Christmas. Let's go for lunch. Let's do something to kind of snap me out of this funk. And I think I think sometimes it's literally just that I'm in my house. You know, that time between Christmas and New Year's, I'm like, help. (laughs) I'm in my home and there's nothing to do. Um, The difference this year, my in-laws will be here. Dean's home. 
And I have some pretty amazing neighbors whose kids are always outside playing and will keep me connected to the outside world. In fact, we're hitting up a movie today, so it should be really fun. Um, But yeah, just sending my love and my positive energy out to you this time of year. I hope you feel it. And uh, yeah, I hope that, uh, that you get what you're looking for this holiday. And if not, make that shit happen in 2020. You know, just go for it. I'm loving all these memes and quotes lately that are like, don't stop, don't give up. I think Lizzo even posted something the other day that was like a picture of her working some shit job wearing this like Statue of Liberty outfit and then a picture of her on stage winning some award wearing a freaking Statue of Liberty inspired outfit and it was like don't give up the world needs you the world needs your talent and you know sometimes it just takes time so I love those types of motivating motivating messages and um, if you needed to hear that I hope you do All right, friends, thank you so much for your love and your support over the last year, whether it's here on the podcast, on YouTube, on Instagram, all of the places. I appreciate you more than you know, and I look forward to chatting more in 2020, bitches. All right, all the best. Take care. (laughs) 